Welcome to The Alternative Investor, the show where we discuss, debunk, and demystify all things about investing in alternative assets. Brad, can I start with a shameless plug? Of course you can. Thank you. Hey, folks, if you like The Alternative Investor show, and frankly- Who doesn't? If, if, <laughs> I was, well, was going to say, if you're actually listening to us, hopefully you do. Uh, we'd appreciate it if you'd go into the iTunes, um, what is it, the store, or just go on iTunes and leave us a five-star written review. That would just be stellar. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Um, so yeah, we'd appreciate that. And if you don't like what you're listening or you don't want to give us a five-star review, then uh, <laughs> thanks anyway. I, I kind of <laughs> wonder if we're like the Howard Stern show in the 80s and 90s where like half of his listeners like hated him, oh, but they okay. listened every day yeah, right, okay. to every word. All right, well, yeah, give us a one-star review. <laughs> if you're going to give us a review, make it one star or five star. <laughs> don't, don't be a three-star person. Like make it polarizing. Have an opinion. <laughs> okay, so... Today's episode is, I, I wouldn't say it's like a, a happy, sparkly topic, would you, Brad? Well, no, but it's, it's a necessity for yeah, sure. It's an important one. Today, we're going to be talking about dum-dum, the retrade. Dum-dum-dum. <laughs> okay, yeah, the retrade. So what is a retrade? Well, it's pretty simple. Um, it's kind of exactly what it sounds like, frankly. So you, you've already agreed to a deal with someone. You know, you've agreed to a price and you've agreed to terms and you're in diligence or you're learning more about the business or the, or the real estate property or whatever it is you're buying, and you've got new information, and now you have to go back and change something. You have to change the price or you have to change the terms of the deal. And um, yeah, it's not fun, is it? No, it is not fun. It is a horrible conversation. <laughs> well, you just went straight to horrible. It really is. Yeah, there's really not a lot of fun things about it. Although it's, uh, you know, so today we're going to talk about the retrade. We're going to give you some examples Talk about how we handle them, which you can you can use that to your benefit or just do it exactly the opposite. And uh, maybe we'll leave you some advice. Um, but yeah, Brad, I'll kick it over to you first. Give us an example of a retrade conversation you've had recently. Okay. Well, I'm going to start with one that did not work, uh, which it happened actually very recently on a deal uh, just closed. So the uh, we were about, I don't know, two weeks away from closing. And we got word that there was a, a major water leak at the property, which is, you know, it's not, it's not that unusual. This is manufactured housing property? Yeah. Okay. And so there was, you know, pipe burst. It's, it's very cold in this market and pipe burst. And it was, you know, pretty low in the ground. So there's a lot of digging involved. So it's a big number. I and mean, that's going to be on the seller's dime. But it's just a warning flag. Like, how many times is this going to happen? Yeah. That's not right. good when a, a pipe breaks in the middle of a deal, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's just a bummer. I mean, it's we can get over that one. But so that was kind of a bummer. But, uh, you know, okay. So then on top of that, we had some uh, lower than expected revenue uh, for the last uh, the last month on collections. And, you know, it's December, which is actually our probably the lowest collecting month across our portfolio. Is that right? Because yeah, people are buying Christmas presents. People are getting Christmas presents. Yeah, I mean, okay. it's, it, it hurts most of the country. Uh, you see collections kind of, you know, dip. Yeah. In December across multiple industries. You gotta buy the kids' shoes. Yeah. So uh those two combined, we had enough, we felt justification to go back to the seller and and ask for a discount. And you know, we came armed with um, you know, thoughtful numbers on the impact that, that both of these things were to our our underwriting, right? Our model on what we bought the deal for. And he uh, summarily just dismissed that and didn't really care about it and <laughs> basically told us that- <laughs> He did this uh, over the phone. Yeah, over the yeah. phone, unfortunately, because he was 2,000 miles away. Yeah. And told us that, well, 
you're pregnant at this point. I don't think you're going to walk away from your $100,000 non-refundable deposit and your, you know, you probably spent, I've seen all the consultants you've had out here at the property. You've probably, probably spent 50K in consultants and another 50K in legal. I don't think that you're going to walk away from $200,000 over this. So Did he explicitly tough. say that? Pound sand. Yes, he did. Oh, wow. So he he was prepared for that conversation he, too. Yeah, he, he, was, okay. he was ready for it, I think. And because we kind of hinted at, you know, when we heard the news about the leak and when we heard that the collections were a little low, it's like, we oh, well, that... You know, you kind of try to prep him for it, right? Because it's it's better if he's kind of thinking for a week or two that something's coming. Yeah, interesting. Versus just like putting him on the spot, him or her. Uh, but you know, he, this guy, you know, was pretty savvy. Knew that we were we were too too late in the game. Yeah. to really walk away from the deal. And how much were you asking for off on the price? It wasn't a huge ask. We asked for. Uh, two hundred fifty thousand okay. off a ten million dollar deal. Okay, and you had you had already put two hundred grand into the into the property in terms of your own or into the deal on your own yeah your own capital. And you know, there's a little black magic in arriving at that number. This is all. Of this is is more art than science. You could you could try to come up with the you know a pro forma that's a discounted cash flow analysis based on the the amount of money you you would have gotten had these things not occurred and due diligence right that popped up. But for the most part, they're going to throw that out the window and just do what feels okay to them. Yeah. Okay. So he said no, and then did you did you still do the deal? Yeah, we closed we closed <laughs> right. closed today. So we still did the deal. Okay. Well, then there's an example of one where it didn't go your way, and you still did the deal. But that's that's obviously not always how it happens, right? Yeah, and it's one of these things where I think you know we always would have regretted that. Yeah, we probably should have asked for you know that that two fifty because it doesn't it doesn't hurt to ask, right? Yeah. Well, it's painful to ask. But yeah, it doesn't. True. It, we still did the deal. There's a psychological benefit to kind of feeling like you, you tried. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, good example. Okay, I'll give you one from the private equity world. We, my partner and I, were looking to buy a software company, and we found one we liked, and we negotiated a letter of intent, and we agreed at a price. It was thirty-five million dollars, and we got into diligence, and so you know we're we're kind of going through the numbers, and the accountants are kind of getting all of the uh, the detailed financial statements and looking at the um, looking at the way that the company had done their own accounting, and basically what happened is it turned out the company was not as profitable as they thought, and so they had, they had purchased a few other companies in a recent period, like I think in the last eighteen months, and they just they hadn't properly accounted for sort of how they combined those companies. And so it was pretty meaningful. You know, they, I think they thought they had around four and a half million in profit. And we, you know, turns out they had really more like three and a half or maybe a little bit more than that. And so, you know, that was a problem because we had based our, our purchase price off of the, how much profit the business had. And so, you know, basically we, we set up a call with the owners. Uh, it was a husband and wife team, uh, great people. And great people. <laughs> they we, yeah, still love them to this day. Um, I think you can see where this, I think you can see where this conversation is going and, you know, look, we had a call with them and we sort of laid out exactly what the accountants had found and how that impacted our, our returns and to our investors. And, and we tried to be as sort of clear and and detailed as possible. And, uh, frankly, that one didn't go our way either. And so they were, I think they were frustrated because they had felt, you know, they didn't realize they were sort of doing the accounting wrong. It was not, you know, it wasn't anything intentional. It wasn't fraudulent. They just, you know, it's, this is complicated stuff and this was a small business and so it, this was all news to them and they kind of felt like they were being penalized for, you know, what they felt like they shouldn't have even known in the first place. 
But, you know, it was an hour and a half call. And I, I do think by the end of it, at least, where they felt like they at least understood where we were coming from and, and what we had uncovered. And, you know, I think they even found it helpful to at least, you know, to have their eyes open a little bit and how they should be accounting for these acquisitions. Um, but, yeah, we didn't we did not get that deal done. And so this was you know, it was meaningful enough to us, the ask that, you know, we weren't going to be able to proceed without it. Yeah. And did they kind of feel like, uh, you know, was there emotion involved? Did they kind of just get set on a number? Do you feel like? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So it's, it's definitely emotional as much as you, you wish it wasn't. It, it is right. This personal, this is their business that they grew and they thought it was worth a certain number. And, you know, we had told them it was worth a certain number. And so they, you know, it, at the end of the day, we were, we were changing our, our mind or our position. Um, and how long? Like into the process, how many months or weeks had it? On this one, I think we were about four weeks in. Four weeks in, and how many more weeks did you have till you were supposed to close? We probably would have closed in another six to eight weeks. Oh, okay, so that's to me, that's pretty early in the process. Yeah, but I mean, you know, we had probably spent, you know, before we signed the letter of intent, we had spent maybe another four weeks, um, kind of getting to know them and getting to know the business and doing some initial diligence. So, you know, maybe that's really eight weeks in, and then for that last four weeks, we were talking daily. You know, so just every single day. And, you know, going back and forth and we were spending almost, you know, basically our full time on it. So, yeah, there was, you know, they were, they were pretty, and we had visited them. Um, they were on the East Coast and we had flown out there and spent a lot of time with them. So, yeah, they were, it was a pretty big deal. Well, it's interesting in your world, I think it makes sense to do it early because you're not, you know, there, there could be such a big delta, right? Generally in real estate, you know, we've talked about this in many different, you know, different topics, but there's not as much. Uh, volatility, right? That I'm not going to get, I'm never going to get 50% off. Well, yeah, that's a good point. You're, you're probably not even going to come back and ask for 20% off. Right? Yeah. I, I mean, 10% would be really, really that would rare. Be huge. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, you know, that's, that's probably less true in my world where I think you can, you can uncover information that will swing the price, you know, more than 10% for sure. Yeah. So, you know, so maybe I guess that was a good example. Give us, just give us your sort of general strategy or talk to us about like, how do you, how do you typically handle these like, what's your mindset going into them? What are things that you do to make these kind of go your way as much as possible, or at least ease the pain of them? What is, yeah. what, how, do, how do you handle them? So, you know, I do think that most sellers don't really care what you come up with. You know, I mean, if you prepare this really detailed schedule that has this, you know, <laughs> yeah, hey, you, this, you don't this want to amount. write a novel. Or, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, usually I do like a schedule in Excel that's just a one page thing. Like, here, here's what we found, and here's what that dollar amount equates to. And you kind of give them the schedule as opposed to being like, hey, I just want three hundred, five hundred thousand dollars off because I, I want it. Yeah, you ground it in like factual. Like, yeah, hey, this is new information that has come to light. Yeah, as the I, dude would say. And well, the funny thing is, is that they, you know, the second they get that piece of paper, they look right to the bottom line. And they, you want <laughs> you want four hundred thousand off? They don't look at what yeah. was comprised yeah. that four hundred thousand. Yeah. You have this whole speech plan, and they just they just beat you right to it, right? So yeah. do, you, do you email that to them like twenty eight seconds before you call them? <laughs> <laughs> just hoping that the internet's slow enough that by the time they get on the phone, you they're just opening it. Yeah. So I I generally we will do it. Yeah, like uh, an hour or two before the call, and because you want to be able to ha let them go through it on the phone with you, so you can talk about each of these line items. But yeah, I, I you know, interesting. Okay, there's some you, art to this for you sure. Do, but you do email them ahead of time with what you're basically going to ask them for, so they have that information. Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay, I, that's interesting. I do it a little differently. But well, because you just do it on the phone live. Because I don't know. I feel like people get more emotional if they can't if they if they, you put them on the spot. You, you know, I'm open to I'm open to feedback on my strategy for sure. I, you know, I I kind of thought 
you know, at least my current thinking is that if you email that ahead of time, you know, they don't necessarily have context and sort of understand the explanation. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe I'm overthinking it, but it's, you know, it's usually a little bit more complicated, I think, in some of the private equity stuff that I've seen. Yeah. Where it's like, you got to kind of go through the numbers. And I, I worry a little that they, you know, they sort of jump to conclusions like, oh, this guy's trying to screw me, you know, forget him, I'm out. Yeah. So I, well, I don't know. Well, I don't think there is a right answer for this because, you know, I've tried multiple different tactics. One that I try is like, you know, holding off on doing this until at both sides are kind of pregnant in the deal. Now you'd want to do it ideally before you have money that's non-refundable, of course. We didn't have that luxury in the example I gave, but if you're kind of waiting further into the process, there's a, you can make the argument that they've committed a lot of time and thought into closing this deal and would rather not start the whole process over and therefore should be, if they're rational, more willing to take a little bit of a discount yeah. versus starting at square one. Well, and it also depends on sort of what you're asking for, right? I mean, if, if, if you really are not going to do this deal unless you get what you're asking for, like it's that meaningful. Then you do know, it early. You, yeah, you do it earlier, right? Yeah. Whereas if it's like you're still going to do the deal, but you're just, you know, it'd be a lot better for you if, you know, if you got what you're asking for. I could, I could see waiting till later in the process for that. Yeah, and this actually in real estate becomes a little uh, easier when somebody gets uh, really further along on what's called the 1031, where they then are going to be taking the proceeds of the sale and then putting into another transaction. Jeez. Ah, so it's like when somebody sells their house, yeah. right? And they, they buy another house before they close on the sale, yeah, right? So they obviously have to have that sale go through. So there's a little bit of, you know, you can use that leverage. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and honestly, I, at least to date, I have not, I have not been in that scenario where I, I just sort of asked for something that was kind of a nice to have. Not a must have. So, you know, I, I think at least a couple of ones that I've had have been a lot, you know, hey, we weren't going to be able to get this deal done. So I generally want to have those as quickly as possible. Yeah. But the, the nice to have ones to me, it's, you know, they all have reasons for it. It's not, you know, you don't just kind of pick a number just because, you know, that to me is a true retrade. Yeah. When you're just like, you know what? I woke up on the wrong side of the bed today and I really need $500,000 off. <laughs> Yeah, like and, that, I, and I imagine some people do that, and that's a strategy. For oh yeah, them. no. So there's a guy that literally just uh, you know two weeks before closing immediately asked for fifty percent off on like every 50%. deal. Yeah, fifty percent. He just asks. He just asks, and he and he gets and, told no, and he's like, "Well, how about five? <laughs> well, no. So his his tactic, le- legitimate, is to he walks if he doesn't get a big discount off. So you know, so he usually doesn't get fifty. But he'll lots wow. of times he gets twenty. Wow, that sounds super annoying. Yeah, so that guy's got a horrible yeah. reputation. But tell he me still, who he is offline, so I don't do anything with him. Yeah, so he still does deals because you know these random one-off people don't don't know his reputation. But yeah. brokers won't work with him. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, look, the, I think the, the my strategy, at least, just real quick, is I, I try to just get the facts one hundred percent straight. Right? You really, really, you better know yeah. the details of what you're asking for way better than anyone else because totally. you're going to have to explain it. And you're going to have to answer questions around it. And so, you you know, so that's my first step, you know, get it. If it's, if it, all of a sudden the profit for the business looks like less than you thought, really understand why, where is it coming from? Why did it happen? And then, um, I do it, you know, I do it as a call. Like, I think some people might do this over email, but I obviously, it sounds to me like you do it as a call as well. I just think it's, well, you have, no, there has to be a call component. I'll, I'm going to push back, you know, to tell people that you can't just do it via email because it's so easy to say no in an email as yeah. the seller. Maybe yeah. just like, no, because it's, it's not uncomfortable. Yeah. And it also just feels like the right thing to do. Like this is like, a, you know, at least to the pe- folks I'm dealing with, I'm dealing with the owners of businesses and this is, they've built this business and 
I mean, shoot, give me the decency of talking to me over the phone about it. I mean, ideally, you do it in person if you could, if you're if you're oh, in yeah. the same area. In person would be even better because then you know it's over even over the phone, you know, things are lost in translation. Right? And the, the other thing I do is I just get right to it. Right. I mean, do you, I, I don't, you know, I, I could imagine some people are like, hey, how's it going? You know, look, we're doing our work and we're, a lot of good stuff we like. And oh, and by the oh, way, we by found the way, this. By the way, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to ruin your day right yeah, now. Yeah, this is, I th- again, I think it's disrespectful and disingenuous and I, you know, people feel that coming. So my my advice would just be, you know, do it in person if possible over the phone and then get, get to the point pretty quickly. You know, like, hey, look, here's the reason I scheduled this call. This came up the other day in diligence. And unfortunately, it just means we're going to have to ask for a lower price. Let me explain why. And, you know, just just get into it. And um, obviously, there's going to be emotions involved. But I think if you do it with respect and you, and you, you know, you, you do it uh, based on factual information that that helps temper the emotions. Um, and then I, I even close it with, I might have my little monologue or speech plan. I even close it with, look, I understand that this means that you might not be able to do this deal with us. Um, I, I sort of do that to imply that I understand the severity of what I'm asking for. Cause again, I've only done this in very meaningful situations where if you, if you know, if we don't get it, the deal's not going to happen. Um, so I want to imply to them that I understand that. I don't know if you do that. I've, I've yet to have to renegotiate and where if I don't get it, I'm walking. Yeah. Again, this is so funny. The difference between private equity and real estate, right? Is like, I think, and we sort of talked about this a little bit earlier today, but you know, we, I feel like in private equity, because the, the variable, you know, the, the sort of the outcomes are so variable, you know, you could grow a business to, you know, a hundred million or a billion dollar business, or it can go bankrupt. You know, there's these sort of meaning, these things that can pop up that are pretty meaningfully affect the outcome. Whereas it sounds like you guys, it's like the, the band is a little more narrow. Yeah. So there's less like do or die conversations. Yeah. And so I'll caveat that. So I was speaking when I, from the principal side, when I'm you know running my own firm, but when I was working in acquisitions, doing much larger office buildings and uh, big apartment complexes. So we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars. There we there was plenty of times where if we didn't get a, a discount, we were walking. Yeah. Because the the margins are much thinner. Yeah, that right? makes sense. And the other thing I do is I try to, I mean, really think creatively about how you can bridge the gap between, you know, the, the gap that you're creating, the valuation gap or whatever it is. You know, so if you've offered them whatever, a thousand bucks, and now you're saying, hey, I can only pay 800 Maybe there's a way where you can get them that additional 200, at least some of that by being creative around the deal structure. Like, hey, there's an earnout component maybe where, hey, look, if if first year goes swimmingly well, then I'm willing to pay you an additional, you know, whatever, 50 bucks or 100 bucks. You know, oftentimes this is an opportunity to get creative to at least at least at the very least, it makes it look like you're, you're making the effort to uh, bridge the gap. Totally. And and so I, I went back and thought through of the deals that, you know, the last five years that I've asked for a discount. You know, the ones that worked and ones where the guy told me to pound sand. I'm, I look back and out of uh, 13, uh, seven of those deals, I got a, a discount. Okay. And they were all but one of those were professional investors. Interesting. Um, that had, you know, maybe three parks, uh, three properties, and they were selling one. Yeah. And then they had maybe a strip mall or something. Yeah. So they they know how the the whole the they whole know game how the played. game works. Yeah. And then one of them was a uh, you know what what you would call mom and pop you know one off. And so the vast majority of the mom and pop deals that I've asked for and not gotten, I I haven't gotten a, a a discount. They've just said you know sorry tough luck. And I think that's because they have they don't go through this process. They don't 
you yeah. know, are not they underwriting do once, deals. Right? They do this once. They don't have to sell. They yeah. don't have investors that are looking yep. for a return. Yeah. And they, know, have they, a, they probably do have a number in their head, right? They think it's yeah. worth, you know, if this park's worth 10 million bucks and I, it's not worth a dime less, and so sorry. And, it's more emotional for them. And I, you know, I respect that. If, if you have conviction over what, you know, if you don't need to sell, then, then I get it. Yeah. And I think, you know, that is what I, I guess that's the last thing I would say is that, you know, any advice I have is accept the fact that this may kill the deal. And, you know, you, you can't, you know, you can't be so attached to a deal that you're willing to kind of still get it done if it's not, if the numbers aren't going to work. So you, you know, and that's a great point because that's actually the best negotiation tactic, right? Is actually not caring, walk away. Yeah, not caring about the outcome when you go into the negotiation. Yeah. yeah you hope that it goes well, but I think you, there's, isn't there like a technical word for that? Yeah. This term? is a business school term. Wait, this is a lame business school term. What is yeah, it? Uh, it's like bat, no bat, what is it? Batna? Batna? Best <laughs> alternative to a negotiated agreement or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Whatever. There you go. It just if, have if a, you've have learned an one thing today. Yeah. Because then you go in and you're like, you're you're indifferent. I mean, in theory, right? You yeah. have other options. Yeah. So this is why I think it's deal flow is such a, such a big thing in, in right. this real estate is because you don't want to get married to any one deal. And you then for, therefore can be impartial when you go into these kinds of negotiations. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's so true. You gotta if you have if you have a plan B that's a good plan B, then it's, it's you're much more yeah. likely to have a successful conversation here. And then my my last tip I'll say is that uh, what what ends up what I found ends up working better than saying, "Hey, look, uh, we found you know these five things in due diligence that you know we didn't really love, uh, and the, the roads could be repaired." Yada yada. What what tends to work better is when you say, "Hey, look, uh, we have a lender." on this uh, $10 million oh, deal. Blame the lender. I like it. Yeah. And you know, you're not making it up. Oftentimes the lender does change. They, they retrade you on loan. <laughs> I think my right? wife, do, my wife does that with the kids when they, she tells them she, they can't eat chocolate chip cookies because of daddy or something like that. Oh yeah. Always, you know, blame the mysterious, you know, third party. Or blame and, the process. <laughs> <laughs> hey, like this, this is our process or this is our policy. <laughs> Um, yeah, because then it's easy. It's hard to negotiate. It's hard to uh, counteract that, right? They're always say, "Hey, look, you know, these guys are writing a seven point five million dollars out of this ten million dollar deals. We're only we're only coming up with two point five. Yeah, that. yeah. And no, and they change the terms, and all we have is two point five for this deal. So, do you say my hands are tied here? Have you ever used that line? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing the best I can. I think I spend that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, at the end of the day, you hope you don't have to have these conversations, but they are definitely a part of the job. And so, you know, don't be scared to have them do them regularly so you can practice them. I think that helps. And I think hopefully you've learned at least a couple of things to improve your chances of having a successful outcome. You know, maybe, maybe just don't be a prick about it. Make sure it's, it's real. You're not making this stuff up. Yeah. Don't use this as like a lame strategy. Just try to get a lower price. Yeah. Okay, hopefully you won't have to have one of these anytime soon, but if you do, good luck. Thanks for listening to The Alternative Investor. Since you've made it this far, you should take a second to subscribe to the podcast and join our email list. There, you'll receive additional insights and insider access to the world of alternative investments. Just visit thealternativeinvestorshow.com.